from the city of brotherly love and the great state of Ohio. This is Dadline. I'm Michael Sperker. And I'm J.C. Wilson. J.C., I think I need some help. What kind of help could you possibly need, Michael? Oh, that's so kind of you. That's so very kind. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm I'm coming up on a big transition in my life uh, because our youngest will be heading off to college this year, uh, which means for the first time in 24 years, my wife and I will be empty nesters. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I As someone coming at that from totally the opposite end of that particular spectrum – well, I mean, maybe not totally, but wow. What's that feel like? First off, like just the passage of time. Think about like where you were with your haircut situation in 1997. Mm, yeah, those were good right? days. <laughs> <laughs> better you, better for you than for me, I suspect. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, uh, we, we listen to different music. We drive different cars. You know, we've, we've got some more mileage on our bodies. Um you know, so, so it's the end of an era and there's, I find I'm doing a lot of reflecting on that, but uh, also it's a, a moment for thinking a lot about the future. Like, you know, what happens next? What do we want to do? Where do we want to be? Um, and so Chelsea and I are having a lot of those conversations uh, and, and it's good, but it's also confusing. I can imagine. I mean, it, when you're faced suddenly with possibility, and let's be clear, it's not like it's suddenly, right? It's not like you <laughs> didn't see this coming from a good, healthy distance. But at the same time, I can imagine it's one of those things that kind of creeps up on you a little bit. And now you're looking at life through different lenses. You've got, you know, an opportunity to maybe step out and do something totally different or, you know, more of the same or be in a different place or, you know, who knows what. It is like Titanic with the iceberg. Like there, there, there really was fair warning that, that this moment was coming. <laughs> too soon? Too soon? No, I don't think so. No, not too soon. All right. My heart will go on. Anyway. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, yeah. I, um, it, it's true. There's, there's a lot of possibility and it's not a sudden life change, but it's a pretty big one. And, you know, and we're, and we're going into a new era. So I found that for these reasons, you know, the the idea of getting advice uh, is is on my mind. And I'm reminded of what Liz Mosley said to us uh, uh, earlier in this season, which is that most of the time people don't want advice, which I think is still true. Um, you know, but I guess what I'd say is I'm not looking for advice, but I'm looking for some perspective. And that's that's made me, you know, start thinking about like, you know, is this a time in my life I should be working with some kind of coach or mentor? Um, mentors kind of feel like a thing that happened when you're 25 and not so much in your 40s. Um, you know, but it's it's much on my mind right now. Well, you know, I, I am reminded of a really great documentary on one of my personal favorite bands ever, uh, Rush. When Neil Peart decided to go back and take drum lessons, everybody kind of took a minute and looked up, right? So... If probably the greatest prog rock drummer that ever lived and probably one of the best guys to ever sit behind a drum set could admit that, hey, maybe I need to go talk to somebody and, and maybe try and take a new approach at this, I think any of us could reach out and find someone that uh, that could have some wisdom for us. That's right. That's right. And, uh, and, and kudos for working yet another Rush reference into the pod. Doing what I can. Um, yep, absolutely. So in that spirit, I reached out to uh, somebody I've gotten to know over the past few years. We haven't worked together 
uh, in, in a coaching relationship yet. Uh, but, but, you know, she's been, she's been building up her own coaching business and I was really interested to get her perspective on how that works. So please welcome to the podcast, Ivana Robinson. I'm Ivana Robinson. I'm a life and transition coach and I help successful mid-career women break free from their shoulds, quote unquote, to live a life that is more passionate and more fulfilled. I refer to shoulds as the sort of external noise that we have of, you know, society's idea of what success looks like, society's idea of what it means to be, you know, a woman, a mother, a wife in any sense. But then there's also the familial expectations of what some of those things look like. And so there's constantly this idea of I should be doing this or I should be doing that, which is very disempowering and uh, just not very encouraging when you're thinking about living a life that is fully yours and one that fulfills you and one that you're satisfied with if you're constantly trying to do what you, quote unquote, quote, should be doing. So let's talk a little bit about the maybe the presence of the shoulds in your life. Um, how did you make your way into coaching and how does this work maybe address uh, some of those should feelings that you may have felt along the way? I guess I can start with my own sort of shoulds and, and stories. So I grew up in Aurora, Colorado. It's a very, at least where I was in the schools I was going to, I was generally the only black person for a long time or one of maybe a smaller subset. So there was always this idea of how I needed to present myself in those public spaces. I grew up with a mother, um, primarily raised by a single mother, who is from the South and I think has certain traditions and things that come with idea of like being a good daughter and what it means to, you know, go off and be a good woman. And some of those things are very valid. Some of those things I didn't necessarily (laughs) jive with. So as I sort of moved through the world and got older and went off to college and all of those things, a lot of that process was me figuring out what were the things I was just being told to do versus things that I actually wanted to do. Some of those things might be the same, but a lot of them are probably not. And so in terms of becoming a coach, it was sort of always on the list of things to do. I am the friend that people come to for advice. In my previous corporate life, I really enjoyed working with my team members, doing, you know, mentoring them or recruiting people and just talking about, hey, here's what I'm interested in. Here's what I like. Here's what is and isn't working for me in my life right now and helping them to figure out what was next or what they, you know, how we could make this better for them. And so... Um, as I was moving up the, the the corporate ladder, I realized that more of my job was going to include, you know, maybe the outward facing more client stuff, as opposed to getting to work with those teams and make those one-on-one connections. And so I decided, hey, maybe this is the time to really look into that coaching thing, since that is something that really feeds me and I am passionate about. And for someone who may have never worked with a professional coach, can you give us a sense for how you get started and how you think about the goals in in a coaching relationship? Most of my clients come to me 
like I said, I'm a life and transition coach. So they're usually in some form of transition. Right now with the pandemic, a lot of those transitions are more professional. Something as simple as how do I get to the next level, you know, within the role that I'm currently doing, or I want to do something completely different, but I'm not sure what, or I'm not sure how to get there. So those are things I can help with. There's also the personal transitions of maybe you are re-entering the workforce for maternity leave. Maybe you are now an empty nester and are trying to figure out how to now prioritize yourself and maybe design your life a little differently now that you're not a full-time parent in the same way. So it's really just helping my clients figure out sort of what is the vision, because we don't always know, even if we know that our current life, whatever parts of it may not be it, figure out what that vision is, but then make a plan and figure out how to get there and work through some of those blocks that may and challenges that may have been stopping you from getting there in the first place. My goals are always my clients' goals. So I never go in with my own agenda. I let them tell me what they want out of this relationship, you know, more confidence, a plan to be doing something else. And I let that sort of guide the relationship because while I may be a, an expert of a process and can help get you there as this third party bystander, you're the expert on you and your life. And in order for us to, um, you know, create change that is both attainable and sustainable for you, then you need to be the one who's kind of leading that charge. In terms of, you know, sort of the beginning of that relationship, I really love to do a values assessment with my clients to really get clear on, you know, their top maybe three to five values that are core to them and through which they would like to lead their lives. If you're able to identify those values and make any decisions putting those values first, then regardless of the outcome, you know that it was the right decision in that moment and that it works for you. And that's not always something that we ask ourselves, right? We get caught up in money or I'm unhappy right now. So you just jump into something new, but are not really solving maybe whatever the underlying issues are. See, that's interesting because I, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, as you start working with people about their own level of awareness of the transition that they're really in. Oftentimes people are going to work with you because they're in the midst of a life event uh, that they can recognize as a transition. But it sounds like there's a lot of work that you need to do with a client at the beginning around their own discernment process. So their values, their awareness of perhaps deeper emotional transitions. Um, and you've, in your writing, you've talked about, you, you know, some of those parallels and contrasts between coaching and therapy. So I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that distinction. Therapy and coaching are very related, especially if you're talking about cognitive behavioral therapy and that it's a lot of talking and, and asking questions. The biggest differences I would say is that obviously a therapist is qualified to help in any sort of with any sort of mental health challenges or to deal with any deep seated trauma. And therapy really focuses more on, you know, what happened in the past and how those things might be affecting you now and how can you, you know, work through those things. Whereas coaching, 
is a lot more present forward focus. So yes, this is maybe how you are right now. This is how you react in certain situations. Here's the story you're telling yourself, but why can't tomorrow be different? And how can we make tomorrow different? So we don't necessarily, you know, dive deep in order to unpack all of those things to the same degree you might in therapy, but we use sort of that insight to push forward. What are you hearing in general from your coaching clients right now about what they're up against during these very unusual times? Um, what's your sense for where people feel relatively more secure or relatively less secure in their own lives? It's interesting. Um, the pandemic has definitely abused, disabused us of the idea of certainty, right? We very much feel like we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and making plans is a lot more difficult or feels that way when the reality is things were kind of just as, as uncertain before the pandemic, right? We had an idea of what might happen tomorrow, but technically speaking, we didn't really know. Um, and I think while that is somewhat anxiety producing, it is also helping a lot of people to reevaluate the things that are happening in their lives and how they're happening I would say right now, a lot of my clients or people who've come to me has been more on the career side of things because the pandemic has changed the way that a lot of us work. Some things are better. Some things maybe don't work as well for us, but having, getting some of that clarity in sort of losing that idea of certainty now has people being willing to ask the questions of like, what if I did something different? What if I left, you know, this quote unquote cushy secure job? and explored another option. Now, I want to talk about something you wrote in one of your newsletters recently. Um, so as we're recording this, it's Black History Month in the U.S. right now. Um, and you talked a little bit about Bayard Rustin, who is one of the unsung heroes of the civil rights movement. For those who don't know him already, can you tell us a little bit about who he was and what role he played in the movement? Yes. So... Bayard Rustin was a, like you said, a civil rights activist. He was very instrumental in the Montgomery bus boycott, in organizing the March for Jobs and Freedom on Washington. And actually, he was actually very instrumental in teaching Dr. Martin Luther King about Gandhi and nonviolent protest principles. But he is, tends to not be very well known because he was an openly gay man during a time when <laughs> gay men were not gay people, right? Were not necessarily encouraged to be that open and that free. And it was not necessarily safe for them to be so. And so we probably would know his name had he chosen to maybe be a little more secretive about who he was, but we don't. <laughs> uh, Bayard Rustin was very important in that, while his work was important, you know, he was going to continue to fight for racial justice and economic justice and later gay rights, even if he could not necessarily get the credit or be on the front lines in that way, because it was also important to him that he be himself and not to hide that and to take ownership of that, regardless of the fact that maybe he was in a community and in the world being discouraged from doing so. And... 
I find that very inspirational, particularly as a Black woman who does live in a society that is constantly trying to tell me what that should look like or how I should be in in the world. Mm. So last question for you. Um, speaking of, of uh, your writing and your newsletter, where can people go to learn more about your work? Yeah, they can find me at IvanaRobinson.com, which is where you can sign up for my newsletter, Ivana's Three Eyes. It is where we go to interrogate the norms, gain some insights and get inspired. So every those go out every Tuesday. So you can definitely find that there. And uh, I'm on Instagram at Ivana Run the World. Uh, I see what you did there. Yes. <laughs> Ivana Robinson, thanks so much for joining us on Deadline. Thank you for having me. I found it really interesting talking with Ivana. This thing that that is now on my mind after that conversation is, you know, the experience of being coached or being taught. And one of the things that I've really woken up to is that I have not had any meaningful, uh, like formal, long-term coaching relationships. I certainly have friendships, like, including this one, in which I've sought advice over the years. Um, I I have had mentors in my life, some of them for several years at a time. Um, you know, but this focused kind of coaching or teaching relationship. My K twelve education was there. My college education was wonderful, but I never saw a professor for more than 14 weeks at a time. Uh, I have not played sports at a high level. I have not played music at a high level. And so, you know, so I'm aware now of this kind of absence of experience for me. And you are a human who has had a long musical career. So I'll bet you have a different point of view on that. I do. I I started uh, taking guitar lessons when I was in fifth grade, maybe, and had the same teacher until I graduated high school. Um, Ken Leonard, shout out. Um, fantastic person who had a lot of influence on my, you know, not just my musicianship, but also, you know, the books that I read and the authors that I, I learned about. And you know, it, as a musician, when you go off and study music, if you were to chase a music degree, like some of us did, um, you usually go to an institution with a particular teacher in mind and you spend, you know, four or five, six years under the tutelage of that person. And it is a a, a very uh, tight bond after a period of time. You you do take on some of the the impression that that person leaves is is significant, um, and it's something to to be sought after. I think I think there is something to be said uh, when you're looking for a path or where you're trying to make decisions or trying to to build yourself up. Uh, finding person the person that you can have that kind of long term, well defined relationship is, I think, particularly useful. And I think that can be true outside of something like a particular discipline, right? I think that's something that's maybe more universal than just having it structured within uh, music or sports or, you know, even a, a business coaching relationship. Yeah. And, I'm, and I've also kind of been aware that I think uh, coaching is more readily accepted in some uh, domains than others, right? So, it's, it's expected if you're an athlete or a musician that you have, you know, that kind of long-term uh, teacher or coach relationship. I think in business, it's a lot more hit or miss, right? Like sometimes I think there's kind of a, even, even like a, I don't know about negative connotation, but like people are, people are less, people are less like immediately accepting 
of the premise of having a coach? Yeah, I, I would say that it's been hit and miss in my experience as well. Although I have known several uh, C-suite people who you know insisted on having coaches, and you know maybe it's an industry thing. I'm not exactly sure, but I, I think you're right. It's definitely hit or miss, but it is definitely out there for sure. Before we get too far away from the interview itself, I want to take a moment and note that subsequent to uh, recording the interview with Ivana, um, Netflix announced that they're actually going to make uh, a film uh, with the Obama's production company about the life of Bayard Rustin. Um, so shout out to Netflix and the Obamas for filling in a little gap in the historical record that was long overdue. That sounds fantastic. And, uh, you know, as someone with some time on his hands, I'm always looking for something cool to watch. So that sounds like something that would be right up my alley. Indeed. Indeed. We'd love to hear your stories of coaching, being coached, learning things, moving through big transitions. You can call us on the dad line. The number is plus one four one two six eight four dads. That's area code four one two six eight four three two three seven. Our operators are hunkered down uh, trying to conserve energy so they can keep Texas warm because uh, we're recording in the middle of February and you probably remember what happened this week. Um, but you can go ahead and leave us a message and we'll pick it up when we can. And please remember to subscribe to Dadline wherever it is you get your podcasts. Remember, every time you subscribe, my dog barks in the background.